Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 252. Today is December 2nd, 2017. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, where has the year gone? Just a couple weeks left until we move into 2018. I've had a great year. I hope you have as well. Today, I just want to do a really quick episode, and I want to talk about the flash crash that occurred yesterday, December 1st, 2017. Now, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about the headlines or the specifics behind the flash crash. It all had to do with former General Michael Flynn, who was an advisor to Donald Trump during last November's elections. Flynn had been indicted by a special counsel. Yesterday, at a little bit after 11 a.m. East Coast time, ABC News put out a report that Flynn was pleading guilty and there were allegations that he would testify that then-candidate Trump, had directed him to contact the Russians. Now, my purpose is not to dwell on that specific headline or the background behind it. The real purpose of today's episode is to talk about the events that surround a flash crash and what you can learn from them. So if you're listening to this episode years into the future, the topic of the flash crash itself should be relevant to you, not the specifics behind who Flynn is or who Trump is or anything like that. So, as a trader, as an investor, here's what we're concerned with. A bad headline or some kind of shocking headline comes out, and then within seconds, major indexes started to drop. And right now, I'm just looking at a chart of the Russell 2000. You can pull up whatever you'd like. This particular one I'm looking at is on Yahoo Finance. Incidentally, I like to use very simple approaches uh, particularly when I'm blogging or when I'm you know, doing an episode here on the podcast or if I'm putting out a YouTube video, I generally use something like Yahoo Finance. It's widely available. It's free. It generally has really good information in it, and you can follow along at home. So don't believe what I say. Go pull up a chart of the S&P 500 or the Russell 2000 or a particular stock and look at yesterday's performance. Right now, again, I've got the Russell 2000 up in front of me. And it looks like right around 11.05 or maybe 11.06, the Russell started to drop. And by 11.33, it had hit a bottom. It dropped more than 2.5% in less than 30 minutes. And then fairly quickly from there, it started to recover. Now, 2.5% is not really anything to wet the bed over. However, in a market with extremely low volatility, when you consider for the last 12 months, The major indexes in the U.S. have not dropped more than 3%. Yesterday's volatility was quite high, and I do consider that as a flash crash. The S&P peaked a trough yesterday, dropped less than that. However, individual stocks, and particularly individual ETFs, some of them were extremely volatile during that less than 30-minute period. There are three things that I think you as an investor or as a trader can learn from that event. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail with them in this episode. Some of them I've talked to, you know, at nauseum in other episodes. But real quickly, here are three things that I think are relevant and things that you should consider and learn from a flash crash so that you can profit from those kind of events in the future. Number one, there's always a lot of talk about buying the dip and how program trading or high frequency trading works. And people will use all kinds of algorithms and they'll show you how on paper their algorithm works just fine, they backtest it, yada, yada, yada. Well, again, pull up a chart of yesterday's performance on the major indexes 
and you'll see that that flash crash, and as they call it, flash crash, meaning it happens really quickly, for you to really be able to move in there and buy the dip at exactly the lowest point, or really very close to the bottom, your chances were slim to none. Now, if you were a multi-billion dollar hedge fund that had a fiber optic line connected in the wall across from one of the major trading exchanges, then yes, maybe you as a high frequency trader with the fastest computer system available could have got in and bought exactly at the bottom. But for most of us regular Joes, certainly for millionaire next door guys like me, you can't do that. And so I don't even try. Hey, that's just my opinion. If you remember... Many years ago, I had a podcast episode entitled The Best Trading Program, and the answer to that was it was the one that works for you. So if you can profit from trading the headlines and you have that kind of order execution, again, congratulations, good for you. I certainly don't have those capabilities. Now on to topic number two. The second thing that I think we can learn from this, and really one of the most important things that we can learn from this event, is that the people that got hurt yesterday, the people that lost money yesterday, were almost certainly those that use stop-loss orders. If you don't know what a stop-loss order is, or if you haven't heard me talk about this before, in today's show notes, I'll have a link to a blog post that I did a couple years ago back during the flash crash in August of 2015, and I'll also have a link that'll take you to episode 227 of the Wellsteading Podcast, where I explain my thoughts on stop-losses. But the bottom line yesterday of the people that got most hurt in that flash crash were retail investors that think that by using a stop-loss order, they're protecting themselves. And in my opinion, the only thing a stop-loss order does for you is that it almost surely guarantees that you'll sell at the most inopportune moment. Because a stop-loss order, once it's triggered, it operates as a market order. And so your order will be executed at the next bid price. And what happens during these flash crashes, these high-frequency program traders go in there with algorithms and they start bidding down the price. And in some cases, if you're trading a very illiquid asset, the next bid offered could be zero or could be a couple cents. And in my experience, it's probably going to cause you to sell at the worst possible time during the panic when the price is the lowest. For anybody that didn't have a stop-loss order triggering yesterday... At any time after 11.33 a.m., the prices stopped going down and they started going back up. So all of those orders that were executed in that last, you know, five or ten minutes, they were all trading lower and lower and people were losing money. That's an example of why I don't use stop-loss orders. My personal thought is, is if something happens instantaneously, then I'm not going to have time to get out of the market And I would rather just, at that point, hold and weather the storm than to sell at the bottom when there's a panic. Now, finally, the third item that I want to touch on, and this is a reoccurring theme, something that I always talk about on the Wealthsteading Podcast. It's the basis for the eighth wealth building principle. And by the way, that's a good time to put in a plug for the 10 wealth building principles. I don't think I've talked about them in a while. The first 10 episodes of this podcast were done sort of out of frustration Going back, I don't know, close to four years ago, I guess, I talked in there about the 10 simple principles that helped me build my wealth 
and raise me out of just being an average wage-earning person to being someone that can be what I would classify as financially independent, a millionaire next door, a blue-collar millionaire, a middle-class millionaire. Call it what you like, but those 10 principles are very simple. People have criticized me for that. When I get that criticism, I just pull up a spreadsheet and look at my net worth. I'm very thick-skinned. It doesn't bother me one bit. I think they're as relevant today as they were over these last 30 years that I've been instituting those principles in my own life. Uh, In any case, I digress. Here's the deal. The third thing that I think you need to learn from yesterday's flash crash is to ignore the headlines. The headlines are generally meaningless. Now, again, this is something I talk about all the time. I'm not going to dwell on it right now. I will tell you in today's show notes, there's a link to a YouTube video that I just put up, uh, I think, earlier this week. It's about the JFK assassination, and you may be wondering, well, hey, what does a JFK assassination have to do with a flash crash? Well, it has everything to do about ignoring the headlines. And real quick, I'm not going to do a spoiler on this, but real quick, during the Kennedy administration, from the time that JFK was inaugurated in January of 1961 until the time he was assassinated, November 22, 1963, that's about 54 years ago, Over that brief time of his administration, there was a crash in the market. It lasted for approximately six months. Peak to trough, the S&P collapsed some 27%. What do you think prompted that event? Now, there were a lot of negative headlines in JFK's day. There was the failed invasion of the Bay of Pigs in Cuba. There was the Cuban Missile Crisis. There were a lot of other negative headlines that happened, uh, culminating into the most negative headline of all, which was the assassination of JFK. Which one of those negative events do you think resulted in the collapse of the stock market during the Kennedy administration? Well, to find out, you have to go watch the video. There's a link in today's show notes. Hey, that's all for today. I do want to wrap things up by saying that yesterday when other people were selling, I was actually buying. I bought Google and I also bought a Brazilian ETF. I don't have time to talk about those in today's episode, but for those of you that are subscribed to the free notifications over at investablewealth.com, you already got the heads up that those purchases were made. And if I get some questions, I'll most likely do some episodes, why I like Brazil and why I like Google. 